0: This recording was produced by Green Lane Masjid. For more information on the activities and services the mosque provides, please visit www.greenlanemasjid.org. alaykum We are going Dunya ala the alihi wa the ...of the second surah, Surah Al-Baqarah. And we left off at ayah number 233. And one of the benefits of the Qur'an, and more specifically Surah Al-Baqarah, is it exposes you to everything that the Qur'an contains. Morals, values, character, belief, stories of the past, but also the rules by which we live this life in, the ahkam, the halal and the haram, the laws by which we should govern ourselves with. And today we are doing those ayats. Last uh, time we were here, we were doing the ayats that were related to divorce. And we did a lot of rulings. Uh, how does a divorce happen? What are some of the rulings that happen afterwards? Um, how many divorce can you issue? And when you issue the final divorce, what are the rulings that will take into place? When can a couple get back together, if ever? And all those rulings. And um, the last ayah that we did was related to if a couple divorce, if the husband issues the talaq, the divorce, and then the idda period finishes, the waiting period finishes, but they still have the capacity to get back together because he only issued one. Or maybe two, and then during this time of separation, they decide that they can get back together. Sometimes family will intervene and say, No, do not get back together for whatever reason. In fact, I was told of a couple that they were having a lot of marital issues, and then they decided that they were going to separate and they separated. And when they separated, afterwards, they had a small baby together that. The two, uh, the couple that were married They decided that they should get back together And that they should make it work But it was actually their respective families That were against it, it was Their respective families That were against it No, do not get back together And here Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says And when you have divorced a woman And then the, the term uh, The waiting period has been fulfilled Do not prevent them to marry their former husbands again, to get back together, if they mutually agree on a reasonable basis. That particular couple, they actually realized that the issues that they had to begin with was because of their families. And Sometimes that can happen, right? Allah doesn't bless everyone with good families. Sometimes, and this is for brothers, sisters, parents. uh, Remember, sometimes you are part of the problem. So the advice that you give, to, if, if you have a daughter that is married, or you have a son that is married, or you have a sister that is married, or you have a brother that is married, you sometimes may be interfering in their marriage in a negative way without realizing it. No one wants evil for their family members ever. But sometimes you think that you know best, but you don't. So it's important that we take that into consideration as well. And at the end of the day, what we always want is to preserve homes and families. That is what's best for the children and for the people as well. We discussed a lot of things related to, to talaq and khula'ah and fasakh and all this stuff. Here Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala now speaks about uh, an, uh, an ayah that is about the taking care of the child. Because children are impacted when a divorce happens. So what are the rules related to this? More particularly when they are babies and what the babies need most, they need their mothers to breastfeed them and to suckle them. Right. Here Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَالْوَالِدَاتُ أَوْلَادَهُنَّ حَوْلَيْنِ كَامِلَيْنِ لِمَنْ أَرَادَ أَنْ يُتِمَّ الْرَضَاعَةِ The mothers shall um, breastfeed their babies, their children, for two whole years. For those parents who desire to complete the term. So here you're learning something quite interesting which is that or how detailed our sharia is. Allah Almighty is telling us the amount of time we should be breastfeeding the children or the mothers should breastfeeding the children which is how much? Two years. Now, um, here, this ayah Allah says mothers but, but I want you to keep in mind the context. We were talking about what kind of mothers, what kind of people, divorcees. That's what the context is. So it's mainly talking about couples that have divorced and have a child together, what they should or shouldn't be doing. But a lot of what's in here would also uh, some of some of it in here would also apply to people that are together as well. Here, Allah is saying that the responsibility of the mother that has a child is to give it milk for how long, if they desire to complete the term. Meaning, and this is very important. In Islam, when a child uh, drinks from uh, other than their mother. That person becomes their mother. What does that mean? Sometimes what would happen is, let's say there's an orphan child. The mother died in childbirth. May Allah protect our mothers. That can happen, right? And then you have a baby that needs to be adopted, foster, whatever, right? And then another mother takes this child. Another mother takes this child. And she's not related to this child, is she? But if she breastfeeds this child, then that child becomes her child. And it will become related to the other children that she has or may have. So they actually become family. So among the ways people become family in Islam is three ways. By blood, your blood relatives, actual brothers, sisters, cousins that you share lineage and parents with. Or you sometimes become family through marriage, right? And you also become family through Milk through breastfeeding. If you suckle from the same mother, you are brother and sisters. Does that make sense? But that is only applies in the first two years. In what? The first two years. So let's say you're, let's say it was a child that was two and a half years old, two and a half three years old, and it, there was a, and it drank the milk of a of a usually they're eating by then, but let's just say it drank the milk for it was breastfed by a woman. That child will never become her child. Why? Because the term for breastfeeding is how long? Two years. Okay. okay. Now we know the responsibility of the mother to her child is that she's supposed to take care of the child. The child should stay with her. Remember, there is a separation now and the child is staying with her because she's breastfeeding the child. So the father now can't be... Uh, what is the father's responsibility in this situation? Allah says, وَعَلَى الْمَوْلُودِ لَهُ And for the father of the child, for the father of the child, رِزْقُهُنَّ bil-maʿaruf. بِالْمَعْرُوفِ It is his responsibility to bear the cost of food and clothing. Food and clothing for who? For the... But the child is not eating yet. So food and clothing for who? For the child, uh, clothing of course, and also for the mother. But he divorced the mother. Why does he still have to pay? Because she's taking care of his child. So, Allah is telling us here, the father's responsibility, even after divorce, is to spend on the mother of his child, as long as she is breastfeeding the child. Is that the... What if she, uh, right, so now there seems to be a division of labor. So she takes care of the child, he spends on them. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, لا تكالف نفس إلا وسعها No person shall have a burden laid on him greater than he or she can bear. Why is that important? Because it could be that the woman says, you need to pay me this much and he can't afford it. Does she get to decide whatever he spends on her? No. Does he get to decide and say, you know what, I'm going to give you, I don't know, this much and it's not enough. Who decides that? And this is a really important point in marriage, in divorce. And and we mentioned this a couple of times already. When things have not been made clear in the Quran. So Allah did not say, he should pay the child this much and the mother this much. That's not clear. So how much... What would this? Who would decide this? Adam. So it goes back to societal norms. It goes back to societal norms. So, what? How much does a a, 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 a man spend on his baby uh, and uh, in a customary? And that would differ from person to person. Why? Because if she's from a very rich background, it could be that she is from an affluent. Uh, 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 family or area and so is he or it could be that they're both from a more struggling families would they be giving the same amount of uh, so what's taken into consideration is the state of the person right this is very important Um, so even um, let's say a man and a woman got married and they didn't agree on a dowry they didn't agree on a dowry and they got married the marriage is sahih, but he still has to give her a dowry how much How much? We go back to what? Societal norms. If she is the daughter of a billionaire, if she's the daughter of a billionaire, and all of her surroundings are people that are very affluent and rich, then the type of dowry she would get would not be the same as if she was from the complete other spectrum. And that is taken into consideration in Islam. Why? Because it it will make sense that someone who who is from a very rich background to be given a hundred pound as a dowry. Right? And the same also wouldn't make sense. Someone, imagine a a, a woman uh, who and um, they, they got married and he's just a factory worker and I don't know, she, whatever the case is, right? So they're just m- making it or um, they, uh, paycheck to paycheck kind of lifestyle. And she says, well we didn't agree on a dowry but I want uh, 70K, 80K, 100K. That's what I want. But we never agreed. Yeah, but that's the kind of mahr we get. That it, wouldn't, it wouldn't make sense. What? So it the, the actually takes into consideration, right? That's why the ulama used to say, if you marry a woman who when growing up she had maids and butlers… And then, when after you marry her, she says, "Listen, I'm done with cooking and cleaning. I, I used to, I grew up in a house with a, with maids, and but uh, that's what, you have to provide that, because that's what because. Uh, uh, but if she agreed that she was going to downgrade because she loves you, then you don't have to. So, but it's quite interesting that uh, if if this case was brought to a judge and she says, "Listen, this is how I used to live, and now I'm living, and I can't do this anymore, because even psychologically it would be a lot more difficult for that person, right? and someone that always lived that. So Islam looks at societal norms. If the societal norms are wrong, Islam corrects it. If they're not wrong, Islam allows it and keeps it intact. Does that make sense? طيب. So here, how long should she be breastfeeding the child? Two years. If they want to, complete the term. Meaning, if they don't want to complete the term, it doesn't have to be two years. Right? Ta'ib. Then, what is the responsibility of the father? Food and clothing. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, No one will be burdened more than they can bear. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, This is a very important point. Allah said, No mother shall be treated unfairly on account of her child, nor a father treated unfairly on account of the child. So, what happens in marriages usually when they break apart and they're really bad, they start. To use the child to harm the other person. So it could be that the mother says, you know what, forget this, I'm not going to breastfeed the child. It's your child, let it starve. It doesn't happen often, but it can happen, especially if she's really better. Or he could say, pay you, or you not, I'm not going to pay you anything, go away, you and your child. Is this allowed in Islam? No. Or it could be that she says, alright, I'll take care of the child, but I want this much and this much. Something that's unreasonable. Or it could be that he says, I'll pay you, but I'll pay you four pound. Or something weird like that. So it, what I'm trying to say is, they can both, they can both potentially harm each other. Right? This is related to the child. Or it could be, I won't let you see my child. Drop the money off, put it in the, uh, right? Send it to me. Right? And I'll send you a picture every two months. To see he, he's growing. Right? Re- t- refusing the father to see the child. This is something that is not allowed in Islam. Right? This is not allowed in Islam. So men are not, when they they separate, they're not allowed to use the child to harm each other or generally harm each other. And Allah says in the Quran, Do not forget the good that you had in between. Three weeks ago you were both married. Now you're enemy number one. Right, this is not. This is inappropriate behavior, and we find it a lot in our societies and in our. Uh, 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 we see it a lot. Someone comes and says, "I haven't seen my child for three years. Why? Oh, we had a really bad divorce, and now she's not letting me see my child." This is wallahi. my sisters, my sisters. If you are refusing for your husband, there are always extended circumstances where the husband may have been abusive or whatever. But generally speaking. Don't refuse your husbands or your ex-husbands to see their child. It's also their child. Fear Allah in that regard. Fear Allah in that regard. And often it is the mothers that have all this power. And they were like, yes, never. This is unfair to the father and unfair to the child. And the same thing goes with the brothers. Do not abandon your children. Just because you're angry at the person that gave birth to them. And do not be uh, giving her less or nothing at all, just because you're upset with how it happened. This is all not allowed in Islam. And Allah will ask us about our relationships. Allah will ask us about our relationships, even those that have ended. And subhanallah, just because you two are not married anymore, doesn't mean there's no relationship there. You're both pirating a child together. And that means that we need to figure out how to do this in the best way possible. Right? It is sad that when it shouldn't be the case... That when a divorce happens and the family breaks up, that that child is over. He becomes a statistic. Right? That's not fair. To say um, uh, kids that grow up in a single household or a single mother household, this happens to them. They are this in education. Why is that the case? The, the, the marriage ended, but the responsibility of the father is still there. The responsibility of the mother is still there, and they should strive for this. Here Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying you that they cannot harm each other. Now the harm that used to happen in the past uh, when Allah was revealing these ayat was that sometimes the woman may either refuse to, to nurture the child and, uh, and, and embrace the child in, in the most appropriate way or she would demand a, a lot of money or something like this. Or the husband would give a little or something along those lines. So this is not allowed in Islam. So, Allah established two responsibilities here. The responsibility of nurturing and feeding the child, or breastfeeding the child, which is upon the mother. The responsibility of spending on the child, which is upon the father. طيب. What if the father passes away? Who takes that responsibility? Allah says, وَعَلَى warith. And to the one who inherits the father. Let's say the father passed away, who would inherit him? Who were some of the people that would line up to inherit his wealth? Well, who comes to mind? Parents, who else? Siblings, who else? Uncles. So these people, they now become in charge of his responsibilities. Which particular responsibility they just now had? He was spending on the child and the mother of the child. So if he passes away, who does that? his His family and extended family. So in other words, Allah is establishing here that that child will be taken care of. Will be? taking care of. There's someone else that also inherits him. If the father dies, don't his children inherit him? And we have a baby right here that needs to be spent on. He gets a portion of the inheritance. So in that way, he's spending on who? The child is spending on himself. How is that possible? How is that possible? Well, the portion of inheritance that he gets is used to support his mother. This is also, uh, um, it's interesting because in Islam, what we have is, it is very possible for a newborn baby to have financial responsibilities. How, you would say. Zakat, for example. Charity. So, if a child inherits money, that child has to pay zakat. How is it going to pay zakat when it can't even walk? The guardians of that child will ensure that whatever money they inherited, the zakat is paid from. Does that make sense? Tayyib. Now, if the couple decide to do fisal, what is fisal? To wean the child off. She said, I've been doing it for a year. I don't want to go the full term, which is how long? Can she just do that? Can she just say, I'm done. The child is strong enough. Uh, a year is enough. I don't want to do it anymore. Can she just make that decision independently? No. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, if they want to stop feeding the child or breastfeeding the child, and by the way, it's a lot healthier. Finalize, it's a lot healthier for, for the baby for, uh, to receive milk from its mother than this artificial stuff that we buy from the shops. Now, if the mother decides this, then it has to be something that is mutual consent. Both the father and the mother have to agree. أَن <laughs> By mutual consent, And consultation. So they have to speak to each other. Hey, you learn something else. By this time, she could be married to another man. Right? So it's been a year. He divorced a year ago. In that year, he was spending on them. By then, she got married to another man. Now he is her ex. But they have a child together that they have to communicate over. This type of communication, is it allowed? It's allowed. Right? So let's say a man married a woman that was previously married. There could be times that she has to communicate to the father of her children. This type of communication is allowed, right? And uh, as long as it's kept appropriate, uh, this is uh, something that I know sometimes it rubs people the wrong way. Um, You know, uh, when your wife has to speak to her ex. But if it's it's for the purpose of the child, then it makes perfect sense. Does that make sense? And we have to be mature about these things. Here, mutual agreement and consent. So, why? Because the man is spending on her. So, if she says, halas, I'm done, the child's okay and he can start eating. And then, if they agree, there is no sin on them. Now, Allah says then, what if you decide that there's a foster mother that's going to suckle the child? If you decide that, then there's no sin. And this used to happen a lot in the past. It doesn't happen so much now anymore, but it used to happen quite often in the past, where you have people who would uh, foster and suckle the child on behalf of the mother, on behalf of the mother, for, for whatever reasons. And this, it was if they agree that someone else will do it on their behalf, pro- provided that uh, the, uh, the, um, the person that's doing the responsibility is being compensated. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, What اللَّهِ fair Allah." Oh, by the way, it's not something that you should rush into. Uh, because the moment another woman uh, suckles a child, they become what? Related. So, you should think about who you want your child to be related to. Right? And you know, in the, sometimes people don't uh, are not careful. What can happen is, uh, two neighbors especially in the past, it would, it would happen there were cases like this. Two neighbors, their friends, they both give birth uh, at the same time, and they're not related. And they have children, uh, you know, a newborn baby, newborn baby. And then the, the neighbor woman, she decides, uh, the, the, her, her neighbor's child is crying, 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 crying. She says, you know what? Let me just uh, get it quiet. And she says, you know, let me give it some milk. And she's breastfeeding a child that's not hers. She does that more than five times that child becomes also her child and then there's rules that come with that all of her other children become siblings to that child so it's it's there are consequences to this right there are consequences to this could be a good thing mashallah now the family is a bit bigger but it's something to keep in mind all of a sudden your uh, your child who had one sibling or no siblings now has seven brothers and seven sisters so, this could, this could be a possibility that you have to be careful. And sometimes they, they did, people didn't know these rulings and they said, and then they found out later, and this happened during the time of the Prophet where two people end up getting married and later found out that they were breastfed by the same woman, making them effectively what? Brother and sister. It's dangerous stuff. It's important. That's why it's important that we learn the fiqh. Tayyib. Uh, What's Allah? Allah said, Fear Allah, and know Allah, indeed Allah is all seeing of what you are doing. So, fear Allah and do not harm your children. Fear Allah and give your children their rights. Fear Allah and just because you two have been divorced does not mean that you can transgress upon each other. Fear Allah and fulfill your responsibility of breastfeeding the child, of nurturing the child, of taking care of the child, of spending on the child. And fear Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in your relationships and your dealings, even if you have divorced each other. Indeed, Allah is aware and seeing that which you are doing. The following ayah is talking about the widow. So all this time we were talking about the divorcee and the one who divorces and the rules related to that. If we can do a recap, if a woman is divorced, but they have not been intimate, they didn't, they contract, and then before they even got a chance to see each other, he divorced her. How long is her Idda period? What did you say, Muhsin? She has no Idda. Very good. She has no Idda. Okay. He divorced a a woman that was pregnant. How long is her Idda? Until she gives birth. He divorced a woman that wasn't pregnant. Um but uh, she is she doesn't have a cycle because she, she she doesn't have a regular cycle how long is her Idda the period hmm? she doesn't have a cycle surah al-Dalaq wallai islam al-mahid min nisa'ikum fa thalatatu ashur 3 months if she has no cycle, her iddah is how long? Three months. If she does have a cycle, how long is her iddah? Three cycles. And there's khilaf whether that means a menstrual cycle or the cycle where she's pure. طيب. So that now you know all the different waiting periods, right? What is the waiting period if her husband dies? It's different. Now she's a widow. Everything else you we were discussing was the divorcee. Allah says, مinkum, and those of you who die أزواجن, and leave wives behind, وعشرة, they wait, the waiting period at the end, the mourning period and the waiting period at the end is أشهر, 4 months and 10 days. 4 months and 10 days. So if a, husband, if a woman's husband dies, she cannot get married again for how long? For four months and ten days. Unless she was pregnant. Then the rule reverts back to until she gives birth. Which is quite interesting. The, the birth one is quite interesting because a woman who is eight and a half months pregnant, how long is her Eidah roughly going to be? Two weeks. Her Eidah is going to be two weeks. Roughly, right? A woman that is just becoming pregnant. How long is her idda? Nine months. So pregnancy's idda can be either really really short or or really really long. And that is the only time a, a widow a widow, if she was pregnant, then her idda is until she gives birth. Other than that, she has to wait for four months and ten days. Then Allah said, and when they fulfill their term, there's no sin on them uh, if they uh, dispose of themselves just in a, an honorable manner. What this is talking about is, I have to give you some history here. طيب. So, in the past, during the time of the Prophet, the Mecca and the Quraysh, if, your husband, if, if a woman's husband dies, they would stick her in, a, a, in a, a place separate from society for a full year. So one year she wouldn't interact with anyone, she wouldn't dress nice, she would be in a mourning period for a full year. Then, Alhamdulillah, the Sharia came and that was reduced. And a lot of the superstitious rules that they had was getting rid of. So, a woman, uh, what, is, what are the rulings of a woman whose husband dies? She enters into what is called the Ihdat, which is the mourning period. So she's given amount time to grieve. There's a hadith of Prophet ﷺ where the Prophet ﷺ said the grieving period is three days. So unless it is a husband, which in case it's four months and ten days. So what is a grieving period? So when when you lose someone, you you of course you enter into a state of sadness and sorrow and you need space and you're given this and also, uh, it is not a time where you're go- getting, um, going out to have fun and party and socialize, none of that. So when a woman's husband dies, these are the following rules she has to follow. Number one, she enters into the idda the, the period, which is the waiting period, for four months and ten days. In those four months and ten days, she is not allowed to leave her house unless it is, there is a need for it. So, can she go shopping? Yes. Can she go to a hospital appointment? Yes. Can she go out and socialize? It's, no, she doesn't socialize that time, right? So anything that is a... Not necessarily anything for a need she can, but she will not socialize or go to weddings or anything like this. For how long? For four months and ten days. Anything that's school runs, things like this, they're allowed to do, right? This is the, the uh, grieving and idda period. They're also not allowed to adorn themselves. They don't wear... Nice clothes, or put makeup on, or henna, or uh, the prophet even asked, can we put on kohl? What's kohl called again? I, um, is it mascara? Yeah, I don't know if it's called eyeliner or eyeshadow. Or There's too many things nowadays. Kohl, but we, do you know what kohl is? Right. Now, what's the actual? Does anyone know the actual translation for kohl in English? Yes, but the sisters are probably screaming right now, saying it's this. <laughs> Uh, yes. So a woman came to Prophet and asked, are we at least allowed to put that on? He said, no. For this period, you don't do that. Right? That doesn't mean that they go out of their way to look, that they're going to wear only old clothes and, you know, torn up. It, so it doesn't mean that they go out of their It just means, so I, I remember there was a, a woman came to me and said, uh, I want to attend a wedding. And her husband died maybe a month ago. And I was like, and, and wedding, and have to be extravagant. I, just, I said, no, you're in the morning period. Uh, you shouldn't do this um, because you're in the idda period. And this is how we worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It's like someone saying, why do we pray four raka'at and not three or five? Sometimes Allah will, will ask us to do uh, acts of worship, and we do it because that's what it means to be a servant of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So, don't add extra to this. The only thing that the woman does uh, in her morning period, uh, or is required of her, is that she should stay in her house. Meaning, uh, they, they're, not supposed to, they're not supposed to stay over at night in other homes. So they stay in their home. Uh, there are exceptions to this. Maybe there was a, some case that a woman, may, her husband may die while she is traveling. That doesn't mean that she has to stay where she's traveling. She can come back home, but then where she is... she And there are exceptions. For example, if she's elderly and she needs to be with her children, she moves in with her children, that's fine. But generally speaking, you stay in your home and you follow these rules of not overly adorning yourself during this mourning period. This is called the Ihdad. And also, the other very important thing is men are not allowed to propose to her. They're not allowed to approach her. Um, well, the husband passed away but, and, uh, so, we're not allowed to propose to a woman whose husband divorced her. Uh, why? Because he may take her back. So, right? But this one died. So why is Allah to propose? Because you have, she has, she's in her idda period. It's not allowed. And tomorrow, inshallah ta'ala, we'll talk about exceptions and, and how that works. But generally speaking, she's, she can't be out, putting herself out there. For how long? Four months and ten days, barakallahu feekum. So this is what it means, that once the, that fifth term is fulfilled, then there is no sin on them to express themselves in this manner, to beautify themselves, of course, within the limits of the Sharia. Within the limits of the Sharia. So, so a woman cannot overtly beautify herself when she's going out. Uh, uh, and there are strict rules there. But it means she doesn't, she's not in her mourning period anymore. Also, there's no particular color. Like the, she doesn't have to wear black all the time. And there's a lot of people, they have these ideas, cultural ideas, that they will bring in. That's not the case. Um, so, so I remember someone said, Sheikh, can I, can I watch TV? Sheikh, can I read a book? Yes, you, you, these things are fine. These things are fine, right? Can I smile? Someone say. Some people say, four months and ten days, you're not allowed to smile. Right? This is, there, there's no narration for this whatsoever. Um, of course, someone that just lost her long uh, and, uh, husband uh, that she was with for a long time, don't expect them to smile. But at the same time, there's no restrictions on them. Does that make sense? So, if we can summarize what are the restrictions or the requirements of a woman who lost her husband and became a widow. Two things. One, she, uh, she, can she go out for shopping? And her needs? For her needs. Now, this is very important. In Islam, we have three levels there are necessities, there are needs, and there are luxuries. And this is very useful to know, right? If we say necessity, that means things that you need to survive, right? For example, do you eat pork when it's a necessity or when you need it? When it's a necessity, right? When you're starving, right? But um, need is different. So they call it darura, and haja, and then you have kamaliyat or tahsiniyat. So when we say a woman can leave her home, not only as a necessity, but just a, so a necessity would mean that she broke her arms and she needs to go to the hospital. That is necessary? And the ambulance came and has taken her out. No, if she needs something from the local supermarket, she can also what go. So that's not a necessary necessity because she could wait for someone else to bring it to her, right? But the restrictions is on her are not so strict that it's only when it's necessary. Even if she needs to go, she can go. But what is restricted is when it's luxury. Does that make sense, everyone? Yeah? So, I'll give you a few examples and you tell me which one it is. Going out to... Uh, uh, traveling uh, for leisure and tourism. What would you guys consider that? It's a luxury, right? Now, um, going to Juma. Is that luxury? It's, it's a, one could argue it's not. It's a need. So, they're in the morning period, which means they should stay at home as much as they can. And, should they, and should, they should definitely at night go to their home, right? But during the day, they can go out and, and, and about. And sometimes they need this. You have to remember this person that is in grieving, we're not going to cut them from society. Sometimes they need to talk to people, right? Sometimes they need to visit friends. All of this is fine, right? As long as they are coming home. And as long as you understand that this period is different than your normal life, so this these four months, if there is a woman out there whose life in these four months and days doesn't change at all, she's behaving the exact same as she was behaving before. Either she was in mourning period all the time, which is not the case, or she doesn't understand what this period is. Does that make sense, everyone? Ta'ib. and Allah subhanahu wa taala said, wallahu bima tamaluna khabir," and Allah is well equated and aware of that which you are doing. There's a lot more to say about the widow. I want to say a few things. Number one, there is a lot, a lot of reward for taking care of the widows. We, as an ummah, the Prophet sallallahu would often put the widow and the orphan together, and there's a lot of reward of helping them financially helping them with anything that they can. Because their husbands would provide so much for them and they've passed away. There is reward in doing this. And the Prophet ﷺ would spend time and he would say, and there's many ahadith where he would say that the one who takes care of the widow, uh, you, you all know the hadith of the one who takes care of the orphan is like this with the Prophet ﷺ. There's another narration that mentions the widow. And then the Prophet would go out of his time to support them in their needs and help them. Because it's not easy losing your husband. And it's also not... Uh, With a snap of a finger that they can get another husband Sometimes it takes time, years sometimes For them to be in a space Where they can actually look for someone During this time they may need the support of the community And we as a community need to be aware of that And there should be services out there For the widows And that means people that they can talk to Support that they can receive And uh, what Among the honor of this ummah is how we take care of those in need Orphans, widows, poor people All of this And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Protect our sisters and our our brothers And make us among those that uh, When they are together They are together in harmony And when they are separated That they have patience Uh, Ameen So what are some of the rulings Of the aḥkam we covered today? We covered the aḥkam of How long do we breastfeed a child for? Ideally Two years Those two years are lunar years Not solar years A rule to remember is That all of the Timing as you see in the Quran, a year, a month, is usually referring to the lunar year. right? That's just something to remember because two lunar years is a little bit less than two solar years. Um, can they decide to do it less? Yes, they can, as long as there is mutual consent and agreement. Um, Allah reminds us in this ayah that even if the couple separate, that they have a responsibility to each other and they shouldn't, shouldn't harm each other or use the child to harm each other. And we also mentioned that it is allowed to utilize someone other than the mother to breastfeed the child, but bear in mind the consequences of that. And then we mentioned the iddah of the woman who lost her husband, and that is four months and ten days. A question that the scholars say is, why four months and ten days? What is the wisdom behind four months and ten days? And there are two answers. Some of the ulama said, it's to ensure that she's not pregnant. So within four months and ten days, uh, after four months, the child is the, the um, fetus is formed and the soul is brought into it, so you can tell. But other ulama said that that's not necessarily the case because even if they were not intimate, let's say we did a marriage ceremony right now, and during the marriage ceremony, the moment the husband said, I accept, and he became her legal husband, he, he, he died. Did they consummate the marriage? They didn't. She still enters the mourning period and she, uh, and the waiting period, which is going to be four months, ten days. And we definitely know that she's not pregnant, uh, inshallah. And why then would, we, why would she then do that? And the ulama said, this is لتعبد. It is a pure act of worship. And in Islam, we have two types of commandments. Commandments where we understand the wisdoms and commandments where we don't understand the wisdoms, and that's okay. If I were to ask you, why, do we, um, why are we told to pray four uh, raka'at at duhur? Why four? Why is duhur four, not five or three? Can anyone give me the answer? Why that number? What makes four special? Can anyone answer that question? No, we say it's a pure act of worship and we just do it as servants of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We will never be able to understand, at least in this world, the wisdoms behind. Why is Duhur 4? Why is Fajr 2? Why is Maghrib 3? Why do we wash these limbs for wudu? These are called pure acts of worship. And sometimes you understand the wisdom. Zakat. What is the wisdom behind Zakat? To take care of the needy and the downtrodden, and to ensure that there is some balance within society when it comes to wealth distribution. So with Zakat... We can understand the wisdom. With Salah, we don't understand the wisdom. Meaning the particulars, the numbers. And acts of worship are of those two kinds. So a lot of the rules, for example now, uh, what is the wisdom behind um, the man spending on the woman and not vice versa? Because typically it was the man that worked. We can understand the wisdom. But sometimes we will never... So now, why four months and ten days exactly? Exactly. We say this is an act of worship, lit ta'abbud, and Allah knows best. Does that make does that make sense, everyone? Barakallah fi kum. We conclude here, inshallah ta'ala. That's our closing prayer. And alhamdulillah ala alamin. Are there any questions? Hayyakumullah. This recording was produced by Green Lane Masjid. For more information on the activities and services the mosque provides, please visit www.greenlanemasjid.org.